RX. This is Studio 360. I'm Kurt Anderson. This is Zoe Saunders from Studio 360. The legendary filmmaker Agnes Varda died on Friday, March 29th, at the age of 90. I've been a huge fan of hers ever since I first saw Cleo from 5 to 7. And her great feminist movie, One Sings, The Other Doesn't, is one of my all-time favorites. As a producer, I've been lucky enough to meet a lot of people whose work I admire. But no one has really surpassed my expectations the way that she did. When I got a chance to produce an interview with her, it was a highlight of my time at Studio 360. She stopped by our studios in 2017, along with the artist JR, to talk with Kurt about their documentary Faces Places. They were so charming together, and I wanted to share that with you guys now. Celle-là. C'est vu aussi. Après celui-là, le migrant. You want me to say how much I love Agnes as a mic test? Agnes, I love you. I've always loved you. Even in 1800, when I was not born and even conceived, I was already thinking of you. You are a clever man, yeah, sometimes. Hello. You're so important. L- listen to that baloney. Is that baloney I can say? You can <laughs> say baloney. That's allowed. It can be hard to get a word in edgewise when the filmmaker Agnes Varda and the photo artist J.R. are settling down in your studio. Agnès Varda is a founding filmmaker of the French New Wave and made classic movies like Cléo from 5 to 7 and One Sings, The Other Doesn't. This year, she'll be getting an honorary Oscar. Although she's the first to acknowledge she never achieved big celebrity or box office. I never got commercial success. I'm still in the border, you know. I decided myself I am a princess in the border of cinema. And J.R., he is widely known for plastering his gigantic black-and-white photos all over the built world. So he's a photographer, a maker of public art. I call myself an artist. I don't like street artists. I paste a lot, so would I call myself a wallpaper man? Yeah, you're so. a civil servant. Exactly. <laughs> These two internationally celebrated French artists came together to collaborate on a new documentary, Faces, Places. They're an unlikely pair. She is 89, he is 34. In the movie, the two of them drive to villages and towns all over France, talking to locals and making portraits of those people, and then blowing up the pictures to monumental scale and pasting them on the sides of factories and barns and houses and trains. It's a fascinating, inspiring, completely charming road trip. So how did these two get together? Agnes' daughter set them up on a kind of play date a couple of years ago. It's crazy that we knew about each other's works for so long, but we actually never met. So I just came to Agnes' house and studio thinking, wow, I have the chance to visit her studio and I'll be there maybe one hour and it's amazing. You took some photos of With me. my phone, but then I told you, you should come to my studio if you can. I'd be delighted to have you, which you did the exact next day. Huh. And I took photos of him. And, and you know, the, the crazy thing is when she came to my studio the next day, she spent the, you know, the entire afternoon. And then after we said we should meet again tomorrow. And when we met the next day, so the third day, 
we actually say, okay, let's do something. And we started working that day. We really thought we could put together our two ways of looking at people. Mm -hmm. And I've done documentaries. So because I give big importance to the people I meet, try to give them the opportunity to express themselves, to be bigger than life, you know. And that's what he does with his images, you know. He has done huge images of people. It's a way of recognizing the value of people. Right. Especially people are not supposed to be in the light. So we had that in common, I think. Well, we, we have curiosity together. We're both big, curious people. But that's something really important that many people don't know. We love chouquette, you know, and chocolate eclair. That's an important part? That's an important part because we, we ate more chouquette and eclair than we actually f- shoot film in this, you know, right? because we brainstormed so much. Well, it's what we call is sugar mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you, you, that was part of the equipment? You just had giant crates of eclairs? Yeah, and also meeting peacefully around the table, after or before eating. But the table is a nice place to speak. And putting up ideas, if we, if we were this, if we went there, and then I, I know a village, he said, oh, I know another place. We started to make a list of places we like, and that started like this. But we, we have a common thing is we're really independent in the way we work. And on that, we got along really well because we don't work with sponsors. We don't work with brands. We want to be completely free to create the way we want. Right. Uh, so how long did this take from beginning to end? I, I know. Say, I yeah, know. a year and a half. Yeah, we started in July 1915. <laughs> Yeah, 215. 2015. Ah, 2015. Yeah, but okay. What was the world in 215, Agnes? (laughs) But it lasted 18 months, Uh shooting one week a month. Oh, really? Not more than that. I mean, we would eat chuket the rest of the month, but we would really film that. uh, We had to think about where to go next. And in the village we went, we tried to have their point of view on what we did and helping us to do it. But also Agnes wanted... Uh, me to get out of cities where I found, you know, the most amazing walls. She wanted to take me into the little towns, little towns, and that was a I great said, thing. Get out from... of the city, come with me. <laughs> well, that one of the beauties of this film is not only your relationship and your obvious love for each other and all that, but this kind of back and forth humor. It, yes. It's a great road trip, you know. It's yes. it's like a strange bedfellows. We allow to be humorous about ourselves. But when we film the people, right. we respect them terribly. Absolutely. We will never make jokes about Absolutely. them, especially when they are different. They don't know exactly what they feel about what we do. And there is a scene I love really in the harbor with the docker worker. Right. Well, explain the project. It's dock workers and, and you're making giant pictures of their wives. That's a place that I've walked uh, with all the dockers of this uh, one of, I mean, I think the biggest port in France called Le Havre. I wanted to take you here because it's with these guys, Christophe, Denis, David. So I wanted to take Agnes there and she keeps saying, no, this is a big city. Uh, right, it's the one non-village part of the well, they decided, it is in a way. They decided it's far from the city they decided it could be taken <laughs> as a counted village. as a village, yeah. In kind of a village because they, it's a very closed world that, you know, you can't enter like this. And I wanted to take Kenyas. And of course, when she arrived, she was like, wait, there's only men here? Which is true. There's not a single woman walking in the docks. Oh. Well, I, I always have a feminist approach <laughs> to things. <laughs> to everything. And I thought, not to everything. I'm a feminist. Let's put it that way. And so <laughs> when I was in that world of even very, comment dit viril, yeah, the, the, the very old yeah. man. Yeah, no, they no, were ma- all... men managed like. Yeah. And I said, "What about their wives?" And it's interesting. Oh, so you brought you you had yeah. the whole idea of bringing their wives. Yeah. In. Oh, I went to meet them even out yeah. of JR. Because... Yeah, that's why she's alone with them. And then what I was impressed 
is that when you work on something, you slightly, slightly make the people change. When the man said, it pushes the borders, it pushes the cliché. What we did with their wives made them think. I really believed something happened. So you took these beautiful black and white portraits head to toe of the dock workers' wives, then blew them up to like a hundred feet tall and, and pasted those images on the sides of the shipping containers stacked on the docks. Yes, exactly, which is the heart of every single woman open, so the door of the container would be open at the level of their heart. Which was beautiful. So uh, about two-thirds of the way up, these stacked containers, one shipping container in each image of each woman was open, and, and she, the subject of that photo, was inside, sitting inside her own heart, so to speak. Which was very high. Very high. Oh, we had terrifying. to take crane to really? take them up there. Yeah, and the one God. who said she was scared, I, I felt that. Oh, yeah. But the men were touched. Touched why, do you think? Because you brought their wives into this manly workplace? Whatever we do, we try to just get to the deep feeling of people. And I really believe the men had something that changed by our coming action and by the fact that their wives suddenly were so big. And the stars. And the stars of the story. Yeah. So we, we enjoyed it because we had the feeling it was not useless. Um, JR, you have been in the news lately in this country for this project you're doing on the U.S.-Mexican border. Uh, can you describe it for people who haven't come oh, across yes. it yes, on, yes, in- do it on Instagram <laughs> as I do all the time? beautiful <laughs> subject. I, I dream about walls, and that's true because, you know, I'm always pasting on walls. Now, I dream also about borders because, you know, often they are walls. And uh, that's why one of my earliest projects in the Middle East were on the separation wall, security fence between Israel and Palestine. And when I started hearing a lot about the wall in the news, uh, the, 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 the wall, wall between... You the know, proposed wall, the fence that exists now. Exactly, in, between uh, U.S. and Mexico. You know, that already exists, uh, you know, since like 2007, I think, or something like that. I wanted to go uh, there and scout it, and I saw that the fence, you know, had see-through. So I imagine um, someone looking over the wall. Now, the first door I knocked at, because the house was very close from the wall on the Mexican side, the woman opened and told me that she was following me on Instagram or Facebook. I don't remember. That's crazy. I was crazy. like, wait, are you sure? And then she's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure. And then I said, wait, can we check? Because I'm sure you got it wrong. And then, you know, she really knew my work. So she was like, you can paste on the side of my house if you want. And I'm like, oh, I'm actually looking to do something a bit bigger. And then that whole time, there was this little kid in his crib looking at me. And he was, you know, just one year old and looking at me and then also looking at the wall because they live right by it. And then I left. And then when I was driving to Tijuana on the way, I was like, wait, that's the kid. That's the kid that I should photograph that should be looking over the wall because I don't know what he's thinking. I don't know what his political views are. He's one year old. He don't even know what's a fence. And so I came back, photographed him, and installed him, uh, I think, 60 foot something high, so three times the size of the wall, uh, looking over the wall like a giant sculpture. It's beautiful. Uh, it's an extraordinary image. It's like it's like one of those movies where somebody gets blown up to be giant size. It's this little, beautiful little baby boy. And if you look perfectly, the the hands are touching exactly the wall. So there's only one position to look at it from, and where the hands hits perfectly the wall. So for all the people that came and visited when it was up, they would actually look at it and try to find the angle to take the photo. 
and often you would have a border patrol car passing or someone walking, and and that's what the little kid is looking over. It's great. And, and the kid is happy, he's curious, he's looking around, which gives it this lovely, charming aspect. It's not, like, disturbing until you sort of spend some time thinking you, about it. You have to think it over. Yeah. That's proposal. It, it's neutral enough that, that you have to make up your mind. But Very well, true. He's making whatever fun. you say. He's, and normally he's making I say, fun of her, ladies normally and gentlemen. I, normally I say amen to whatever she say. No, I'm trying to understand your work. Oh, thank you. Not to but be. But you're right. I mean, you say it in a great way. Can I film you? You're beautiful. And now you're filming her with your uh, iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> Always. She used to not let me film her. And look at her now. She's giving... At the beginning, it got on my nerves. Uh, no. When he would do this? Yeah. But I cannot fight every day. That's why you win on the long term, trust yes. me. Yes. Yeah. Oh, you just, you just keep at it. Yeah. Uh, next, I want to talk about one of Agnes's films that really seems to foreshadow her work with you, JR. Yes, Murmur. Which is all about murals in Los yeah. Angeles. Came out in 1980, a few years before you were born. Exactly. And when I found Murmur, I was so impressed because the way she looked at them, the way she looked at how they interact with the city, and it's just, it's so contemporary. When I look at it now, I'm like, this this is what we should... From 37 years, 38 years yeah, ago. Yeah, I don't know, it speaks to me in a huge way, of course, because I do murals, but it also inspired me to, to work on new murals. Really? And to it really back. affected your work? Oh, yeah, definitely. When you made Murmur's, Agnes, it's somewhat about the human stories behind the mural. Right? What was? What, why did you make the that? The point is that people need, and they don't always have the opportunity, to express themselves. And so these people were expressing themselves on the wall. Some artists were against the gallery system, and they thought they should do art for free for the people. And so they did beautiful murals. They made things that sometimes disappeared. And then also, there were no respect. So sometimes the neighbor would put just white on the wall. There was no idea that it was art. Right. It was natural, popular art. And I was so impressed by what I saw. And now, uh, 30-something years later, you are collaborating with another muralist, this guy. So here is an image of one of JR's murals from his Wrinkles of the City series, which features portraits of old people pasted onto old buildings and cities around the world. Uh, will, will you describe uh, this image, Agnes? On a wall, on a big wall, there is that woman, Chinese woman, looking up. We don't know if she's mad or if she smiles, which I love. The way the wall is placed. Behind her, huge skyscrapers are the word? Yes. The gratiel, skyscrapers. So the humanity of that face with the series of buildings, we know that people live in it, but it looks like stones. So it's like stones in which people live and one face. And one face is always a miracle for me. And her face is, and what, I, 50 feet tall, I guess, something like that. Uh, do I describe it well, Monsieur Bugier? Oui, Madame Varda. <laughs> uh, it was in Shanghai, and uh, it was part of a series called Wrinkles of the City, which actually was the first thing Agnes showed me when I came to her house and said, you will like me because I saw you like wrinkles in, your, in this project, and look at my hands. I have so many for you. It's not wrinkled. I decided it's a landscape. There you go. With rivers, well, I think of the landscape rivers, as wrinkles. Fields, yes. fields, different fields, yeah. dark fields, yeah. yeah. and, and some woods. Ah. 
Agnes, your great, gorgeous breakthrough film was Cleo from 5 to 7, which came out in 1962. We've got a clip we're going to play. It's in French. And maybe you, JR, uh, can tell us what's happening in the scene as it plays. Yes, sure. So that's, we're looking at Cleo right now in the street of Paris. You know, one of the things also I have to say on a personal level, why I love those films and this film particularly, it depicts Paris in a way that doesn't exist anymore. Really, just from 1961, yeah. Yeah. And we are in a coffee shop. Yeah. Right. And also and that's where she learned that she's, she's being here. She just learned that she's sick. She has and cancer. And she's expecting, well, she's expecting the results. Right. She doesn't so know. That's why the time is so sharp. No, the story of Cleo is a personal story about how that woman is full of fear. And it becomes a personal story, very pathetic in a way, because being afraid of dying, you know, is a terrible theme, especially for that beautiful woman. Yes, I so highly recommend this film. I, I, I saw it in a college film course when I was in college. I went back and watched it. It's it's a great movie. And as you're saying, just seeing circa 1960 Paris, yeah. it's like, whoa, young people, go watch this film. But the thing is that at that time, I had in mind, especially not only to tell her story, but to tell it in a real time. The film starts at 5 and ends at 6.30. And minute after minute, we follow her. We never leave right. her. So I gave myself what you call the contraint, the uh, you know a hard constraint. Right. So to oblige myself to believe that the time is mechanical, you know, you cannot change it. I don't know how long we have spoken, you know, etc. But there is a subjective time right. that we feel. Sometimes it goes fast. Sometimes we don't understand what happened. So I was trying to have the feelings expressed in that frame. It's so modern in in so many ways, like the constraint of the real time, the hour and a half, uh, the fact that it's all about this one woman dealing with this terror of dying. It's it's an extraordinary movie. So, Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, Agnes and JR, I just want to say once more how much I... Loved this new film, Faces Places, um, and, and such a great advertisement for, for France. The government should pay for everybody on earth to see it. Uh, it's just so completely charming. You know, everybody told us it's charming, it's lovely. It gets on my nerves because it's a serious documentary. It doesn't have to be sociologic attitude. We want to smile, we want to enjoy life. In the time we, we do our work, giving power to the people we meet, giving them light, enlarging their faces, make them be more important. That was our work. I don't like that to be totally hidden before, right. behind the couple, the so-called funny couple that we are. Well, but also it's, it's unlike uh, many important documentaries, it's, there's nothing depressing or disturbing about it. No, but you can smile, you can cry, you can laugh. There's a lot of that in there. Yeah. We were always surprised. The first time we screened the film, we were like, wait, people are laughing. And Agnes was like, oh, I'm mad at this. We didn't make a funny movie. I'm like, let it happen. And yes, if they laugh, it was not yeah. supposed to be a joke. But, but if they but found it funny. They cry also. Yeah. A sure. lot of people say that. I choked up a lot, definitely. So it's just getting something which is in life. Totally contrasted feelings wherever you go. Uh, well, I'm happy this date was arranged, which is to say you were introduced and that you made this film and that you came here. Anya Svarda, JR, this has been such a 
Wonderful pleasure. Thank you. Anya Varda and JR's film, Faces Places, is screening now in some cities and is rolling out across America. Go see it. Merci, Kurt. Thank you. De rien, Agnès. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and you can subscribe to Studio 360 at iTunes or Overcast or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. 